Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. This is just a reminder that everything on the podcast is intended to be informational, educational, and entertaining. This is no way a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic process. If you find yourself in need of more direct support, please reach out for professional help. Or if you find yourself in crisis, please visit your local emergency room or call 911. everyone it's LaShonda from Labors of Love and you are listening to the Labors of Love podcast today my special guest joining us is Xavier Pierre and he is the owner of Pierre Entity Xavier how are you doing I'm doing good how are you all doing thank you for having me absolutely super excited to uh have this conversation and share the greatness that you do with my listeners so I'm going to start by asking you what I ask all of my guests and that is what is your labor of love Absolutely, absolutely. My labor of love, honestly, is uh, food and not just food, but the actual act of uh, feeding individuals, um, being able to comfort them through a meal. Um, It is something that I've seen, um, you know, positively and, you know, affect people, of course, in negative ways when, you know, not having it. Um, I've seen it definitely do tremendous things. So for me, my labor of love would definitely have to be feeding individuals because it's a, it's a certain feeling for me that you get when you know you've actually provided somebody with not only something they need, but above that, something that they enjoy needing. Um, so for me, it definitely would have to be, you know, feeding individuals, which is why I'm in the industry I am now. Love it. All right. So food. I like food. I really yes. like food. All right. I... I have moments when I can say, I like to cook the same way I say I like to read and realize that I can like it, but don't do a lot of either. So (laughs) uh, tell us a little bit about how food, specifically like feeding people, uh, became a labor of love, a passion for you. Where is that rooted? I would definitely have to say that rooted um, for me all the way um, back when I was a little child. Um, I grew up a little bit of everywhere, uh, product of a PNG baby. We moved out around a lot, but um, I honestly uh, was raised for a good period of time from some years uh, by my grandmother. My grandmother um, lives in Baton Rouge, but raised in New Orleans. And basically <clears throat> when I was a little boy, um, you know, traditional, I don't know how many people have Southern grandmothers out there, but, you know, my grandmother was always kind of one of those people that would be like, you know, baby, come on, let me show you something. Sit here, let me, let me show you something. And, you know, growing up, I always, you know, woke up and went to sleep to smelling something being cooked of some sort. So um, <clears throat> where that stems from is, you know, being able to learn from my grandmother different recipes and take pride in things that were passed down um, and basically see that, you know, she touched the world and, you know, not just the community, but the world with her food, you know, um, when you would have potlucks at, you know, uh, church gatherings or, you know, around the holiday, you know, maybe somebody uh, was getting older and couldn't cook for their family, but knew that they wanted a certain quality and a certain taste that they could only entrust with my grandmother in terms of producing that same quality that they would feel comfortable giving to their own, 
that was something that it, it, it felt good. It felt like you had a, not only a purpose, but you, you had more than just what, what pe people would say is feeding somebody. You have a meaning. Um, and for me, that was very deep that I learned, um, you know, very on closely when I was young was being able to really, really, really see just the power and impact of what a simple meal can do. Yeah, that's really powerful. I think food, particularly in the way you're describing it, is so communal. And yes. it it's the foundation often of so much community, yes. right? So when there's going to be a gathering, there's food involved. Yes. And, yes. you know, it's kind of where we center. I even think about homes. So we're building a house, right? Okay. And I watch a lot of HGTV. All right now. That's Me too. Right? All and right, all right. It's, you, people are always talking about the heart of the home, the center of the house. And they don't necessarily mean like, where it's physically located, but that's the gathering place. That's where people want to congregate and hang out. And, and it has like over so many generations been that place. And that is cross-cultural. Right? It, it's not even just specific to one particular culture. And I love that. What I've noticed um, as you were talking I was like, oh, you're like, you know, your grandma saying, come here, baby, let me show you something. I realized how many times we yell at our kids, get out the kitchen, <laughs> get out the kitchen. And it just made me pause. So this weekend, um, they wanted pancakes. And so it was one of those where each kid got to make their own pancake. Right. And so you do that and how it means so much more than just, oh, they're going to have something to eat. Like my girls are four and even my son who's 11, like there was just this, this whole event around closeness and family and they're learning and it's fun. And then the pride that they have when they get to say like, I made my breakfast this morning. And so I think, you know, the heart of family and community is oftentimes centered around food. Yes. And then you talked about the entrusting. That's a real thing. So um, I will say that um, Thanksgiving will look different this year for a lot of people, right? But yeah. as we approach Thanksgiving, how many times people get the question, who, 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 who made that potato salad? Exactly. Who, who made the macaroni? And, and, and it's like the dish that you don't get to know. Grandma makes that. Mama makes that. Auntie so-and-so makes that, you know? And so there is a trust that comes with like the signature dish of people in the family. Yes. Um, and so I, I really love that. So you grew up with this very Southern rich experience around food. Um, did you continue to cook and things as you were growing up? Um, or yeah, what did that look like for you? Yes. And actually, uh, what I will say is not only do I come from a background um, of cooking, but um, I have a Southern background and I have a Caribbean background as well. So I do want that to be known. And on both sides, um, my, my parents cook and my grandparents cook. So when I was growing up, my mom and dad cooked, my grandmother and my grandfather currently cook who are down South and both my grandparents from the Caribbean, they actually both cooked. Um, so as I was growing up, 
uh, like you were saying, as I was growing up, that that just continued to manifest itself and get bigger and bigger and bigger in terms of my love and my passion. So let and, me interject and ask this question. When you say they cook, I know what you mean, but people are like, well, whatever. I put macaroni in a microwave. I cook. Tell us what cooking means. Like when you say they cook, what, what do you mean by that? Oh, when I mean they cook, I mean currently in my family right now, we have on my mom's side, currently we have five restaurants and we're not talking chains. We're talking mom and pop owned different restaurants. Um, on my um, Haitian side, we have literally two or three restaurants. Um, we have an, uh, you know, a different uh, variety of individuals who are like myself who own um, catering companies or um, I actually have two cousins that actually cook for NFL players currently right now. Um, so when I say cook, cook, I mean, I mean cook at a, a level that not only is just high quality, but sometimes it also might be high output. Um, mm -hmm. Events where two, three, four hundred people, that, that's nothing but a word. You know, it, the product's going to be there and it's going to be excellent. Yeah. So, so they cook y'all. Like I, yeah. I just had to say that because if I were listening, I would think I cook and, and I wanted to make that different. We mean it. We say burn. So what I mean to say, ladies and gentlemen, is my family can burn. They burn. Right. Okay. <laughs> they, they burn, you know, skillets hot. <laughs> I love that. They burn. That's what I say. If anybody calls me and I'm busy and I'm in the kitchen, I say I'm burning. Or if I tell my mom, she calls me, I say, Baby, mama, I'm burning. She's like, all right, I'll talk to you later. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay, please. So growing up, um, what shape and form, besides seeing that around you and being inspired by it, how did it manifest for you when you, like in your earlier years? What it did, honestly, was it, 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 form, it, it made me appreciate what I was doing. Uh, and what I mean by that is, even not only just the seeing of it, but, you know, being able to have that exposure to even before we got to the cooking part, knowing where that food came from. Um, I grew up, you know, summertime, even around, the, you know, holidays, I grew up picking yams. I know what it means. I know how it feels, how it hurts to pick yams and greens all day, pick figs out of a tree. I know that feeling. So as I, I as it really grew, what really grew was the taste that I were that that I would be yearning for when I wasn't able to cook those things. And basically what it grew into was, you know, my family saying, okay, well, you know, you're getting older now. And if you want to continuously keep having this same quality and this certain feeling, I'm not always going to be around to provide that. So what I'm going to do, because I love you, is I'm going to show you how to do that. Like someone showed me. And it's going to, of course, manifest itself into if you choose to use it uh, as a blessing or if you choose to just withhold it and use it for yourself, at least I can know and you know that I pass that down to you. So. Did you have, did you grow up with cousins and siblings that kind of this became a, a you know, y'all kind of mixed around that when you were younger or did this feel pretty solitary for you in that regard? For me, it definitely was a mixture but I definitely will say there are certain members in my family who stay on the side of just, they learned it, 
and they cook for themselves, meaning they taste that good food and that's it. Nobody else tastes that good food. Then there are individuals like me who do it, but they kind of do it on the side to where every now and then if it's a holiday, okay, I'll cook a little pan of this, slide me, you know, something, you know, a little something, something, you know, no problem. Then there's, you know, the individuals like me who are few and far between, but we have them in our family who are like, look, this stuff is too good. The other two out of the three, you all are selfish. <laughs> Everybody needs to taste this. So that's that's kind of the mixture and the blend of it is, you know, um, for me, it wasn't just, you know, solitary. For me, it was actually um, coming from a background of that and, you know, me just saying, you know what, I'm going to be on that side that, you know, has it for myself and then shares it as well. Okay. So I do, I'm interested and I do have a question. Like, uh, so the other show, uh, TV station that I watch, usually only two, if it's not football, is HGTV and the Food Network. (laughs) So when I watch the Food Network, I'm I'm always interested in um, how culinary backgrounds emerge. And there are some people who get a formal education and go to culinary school. There are some people who, and and that route sometimes takes them kind of like the sous chef, executive chef route kind of thing. And then there are others who have this amazing story like you have, where it's just kind of like in their blood. Um, Tell us a little bit, um, if you could, about any differences that you've noticed along those things. Did you have any culinary, quote unquote, formal training, like from a school perspective? And what's that been like for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. So what I will start off by saying is I have no form of um, culinary training from a two or even four year institution. Um, All of my training uh, honestly has uh, come from and certifications because I actually do hold certain certifications, but all of my training and knowledge and certifications has either been passed down uh, in terms of the knowledge that I've learned from, you know, family members there before me and thereafter me passing down uh, recipes, being uh, given the opportunity based on my gift, my gifts and abilities. And then lastly, still taking courses to sometimes validate and let people know that, you know, it wasn't something that I just am based off of skill. I actually still can show that I actually want to seek out knowledge and I'm still always learning and, you know, still taking that path to, you know, dedicate uh, a certain amount to educational and formal educational somewhat of learning uh, based on the, the, the position, the position, excuse me, that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So absolutely. Okay. Totally makes sense. So tell the listeners how this love and passion shows up in your life today. Talk about peer uh, entities. Absolutely. So for me, um, the love and passion shows up in all of the ways that we um, actually provide in terms of the services and things that we do. So um, the first thing that we do is we actually have um, contracts with Butler County Educational Services, um, where we actually cook for schools as well as programs um, doing uh, student and individual lunches. Um, That is something that's really big to me because, you know, While it recently just happened over the last two years, it was something that I was kind of thinking about as I was starting my business and as I was growing, what ways could I reach out? What ways could I still have a, you know, kind of a a, a reach out, you know, kind of a um, presence 
in the young community, period. Um, because I grew up loving, you know, uh, to be like a camp counselor. I love children. I feel like children are very honest. Um, I, I love that. I love that. So for me, um, that was a good way that I could reach out. The second thing that we provide um, is we actually provide um, all the nutritional meal prepping for actually two gyms. And those gyms are Lions Pride uh, Performance and Rain Performance Weightlifting. Um, those are gyms that we um, partnered with to be able to um, basically take the um, sometimes what people would consider a hard part out of actually training, which is not just training um, for physicality, but also training your muscles and your body for what it actually needs. And that also goes with the intake of what you're putting in. So that was something that, you know, was also passionate to me because, you know, it was a passion for me because it was something that for me was a way of me saying, you know what, for all the food that I put out that might not be so healthy, I can put out some food that is healthy and sometimes crossbreed to where you start finding recipes that might not be as healthy, but you make them to where they're actually not as fattening or not as unhealthy. And, you know, you might be able to convert some that actually are very healthy to where you can eat that extra piece of cake or that extra piece of, you know, uh, souffle or whatever it might be, because it's like, okay, well, this is natural. This is healthy. It's not oversweet. You're actually getting the nutri you know, the nutrients that you need. Um, the other thing that we provide is generalized catering and that it comes through outreach of weddings. Um, sadly, if, if need be funerals, um, you know, um, different family reunions or events like that. And then we also, uh, do private, um, chefing. Uh, and what I mean by that is that can be domestic, local, uh, or that can be travel. We do both. So what that is, is whether it be, you know, families getting together saying they don't want to cook or you have a business meeting or you have colleagues or execs in town and you want to maybe take that waiting option out of the equation. If you have a waiter reserve a restaurant, you can bring the restaurant to you and wherever you can so that we're on your time. And that's something that a lot of individuals um, in the last recent years have um, appreciated knowing that, you know, you don't really have to worry about too much. You know, we take the thinking out of the equation of wondering where your next meal is going to come from. It just happens. It's there. Mm -hmm. You want to say what you want and, and it's there. And I feel like, uh, that is definitely projecting us forward in terms of what a lot of customers are looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll take this opportunity to tell the listeners how we met. Absolutely. So um, when he talked about Lions Pride <clears throat> Wellness Center, um, my really good friend, he's like a brother. He's been a guest on my podcast twice, David Fairbanks. Um, he has the, the wellness center and we talk about a lot of things. And we got to a point where he um, was talking about these meals that he was eating. Okay. So he's talking about these meals. And what happened is because we were, um, I feel like we were Marco Poloing back and forth. And as he's talking to me, he know, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to get, you know, you would have to know, David, if you listen to the episodes, what you see is what you get. It's like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I got to put this in the oven and all this stuff. And, you know, so he's like showing me these meals and it looked really good. And he was training. So it's, you know, portioned to the specificity of what he needs. His partner was also training and she, all this stuff. So um, that was very intriguing to me. And this is at the point where I began to realize that 
the two questions I hate the most in my life are, what am I going to wear and what am I going to eat? Okay? I can't stand those questions. What? What's for dinner makes me want to punch someone in the face. I have never punched anyone in the face, right? Right, honey? Okay. He's next to me. <laughs> I never punch nobody in the face, but I hate the question, what's for dinner? What am I going to eat? And mm -hmm. I realized that as my schedule got really, really full and the demands of owning a business and doing all those things just became very overwhelming with trying to figure out this other aspect of life. And mm -hmm. so I have a partner who loves me very, very much. And he began to like do that for me so that I could focus on the business. He would do all of the shopping and prepping and doing all that stuff. Well, the thing is though, is he also has the responsibilities in the business <laughs> that we're not able to kind of get done in a way because he was feed me. So I was like, okay, what, what are we going to do? And that's when Fairbanks is like, man, I'm telling you here, give Xavier a call. And I did. And here's what I have learned generally about the process is that one, it's an investment in yourself. I think as, as business owners, as whatever role you play, we're taught to invest in ourselves in certain ways. Mm -hmm. invest in our business and invest in all those things. But what I personally am learning is time is my biggest commodity. Mm -hmm. It is, it is, it's what people are paying for when they, when they are paying me. And it's something that I can't get back or you can't really store up. And so I started uh, ordering my meals from Xavier. And let me tell y'all, they good. <laughs> like they are legit. <laughs> really, really, really good. So one, I don't have to think about what I'm going to eat, right? So it's there, it's packaged. It's, it's, it's not, Ooh, okay. I know what I'm eating. Now I got to cook it. It's there. They get delivered straight to my door. Yeah. Actually they get delivered straight to my Island. Okay. Mm -hmm. When they come, my family know they come and the girls get excited. They like to hide from them when he's coming, he's coming and they go hide. Everybody know the food is coming. So, um, and then another thing that I have personally struggled with throughout my life is portion control, right? So what I appreciate too, is it's portioned, it's there, you know, and so it has been a very significant investment in myself. Um, I can feel like it's, the, it's really good. And I know that I'm eating like quality food, right? Awesome. It's, it awesome. is, quality food and it's been a huge investment. Um, and what I really always enjoy talking to you about, which I would love for you to just share is you gave us the kind of, um, service lines that you provide as, as the, um, peer entities, but tell us a little bit more about what some of your average customers are like, because what happens is people, I, I thought this, no, not me. I never saw myself as someone who would be utilizing kind of this meal prep service. One, it seemed too expensive, which I can tell you, once you go to the average amount per meal, you are spending that plus some when you factor in your time, you know, actually having to navigate stores during COVID, which I ain't done since March, but <laughs> so you are definitely getting more for your money. But when you started to just talk about the various people who utilize the service, I was like, oh, regular people like me. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So um, our clients range um, from a wide, wide, wide variety of people and individuals. Uh, what I will first say is most of our clients, honestly, 
are individuals who are, you know, generally have a family, um, generally who, who, who work. <clears throat> and that might be, you know, an average of, you know, an eight to four, nine to five uh, traditional work hours. Um, but a lot of our clients are individuals who honestly just all, what they all have in common are they want that time back. Whether they be looking for time <clears throat> to conduct more business, looking for time, excuse me, looking for time to um, have with the family. Our clients range from mothers, fathers, um, older uh, individuals, such as uh, grandparents, who honestly, you know, might not be wanting to stand for some of those meals that might take long, that they really enjoy. Um, they might not, you know, want to stand that long anymore and not even be able to. Um, but then we have also high-end clients. We have those clients that, you know, if they want, you know, lobster and scampi and, you know, they want, um, you know, a, a crab and lobster stuffed mushroom, we, we do all of those things. So um, our clients are best you know, kind of explained as um, just different family members with, with, with different appetites. Uh, and, that's, and that's how we see it. We provide the same quality of service to everyone. It just might be in a different form or a different way. So whether that is a private, you know, chefing experience or whether that is simply dropping meals off for you, getting ready for work through the week, these are all things that we do with the utmost of care and quality. But of course, they are different in terms of what things we might be doing for that individual person or that individual client based on what they have asked us to do and what we provide. Yeah, yes, I, I love that. And, you know, as we've talked about you and I, the range of different services to the people who want crab every day, I'm like, where? Okay. Or what, what I love, you know, I'm, I'm making my way there when you said like some people, they come home from work. And you finishing up, you got meals in that, uh, in the fridge and then their meal for that night is on the stove. I'm like, Oh, that, that, that's a thing. Yes. Yes. We <laughs> actually have a couple of clients and actually have a couple of clients where, um, I come a couple of times throughout the week where it's not just once, you know, they might see me two or three times a week and, you know, I cook the dinner and I, they have a meal, you know, maybe three times a week with knowing that, okay, the next days or, you know, by, Let's say Wednesday, I've probably cooked twice. They have some leftovers and things like that. They can kind of make their own meals and just put it into a container and take to lunch or for dinner. So um, that is definitely a thing. Um, we provide a various amount of services and we definitely, definitely, definitely um, have great feedback from our clientele. I love it. What this reminds me of is, I'm sure I've had these conversations on the podcast before, but I think it's so important that people recognize that you can monetize anything Absolutely. and that there are people in this world who don't want to do some very essential things. Absolutely. I want to encourage people. That's why I truly believe that finding your passion and your gift is so important because people will pay you for it because whether it's, they don't know how mm -hmm. or rather they know how, but they don't want to, or whatever that is, people will pay for things. So I know y'all been listening, but I want to hone in like people. I am people. I pay him to cook my meals <laughs> because I don't want to. And it is so beneficial you know, I remember something else I can't stand doing. I don't like shopping. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I blame my mother who shopped a lot when right. I was a kid. <laughs> and I'm just like, nah, man, I, I don't like it. But I know that there are people who are personal shoppers. Absolutely. Who, who like it, who enjoy it, who are gifted at it, who who can n- learn a person and really be able to intuitively find things that they like and, and get it for them. And that, that's a whole, I mean, there are people who clean other people's houses. Yes. There are people who organize other people's closets. There are people who detail cars. There are people who, I mean, you name it. There is a gifted person out there who can make money doing what they're gifted to do. I find that to be so encouraging because no one said that to me growing up. After all the, what do you want to be when you grow up questions? No one ever told me I could just be myself. Right. And so I love what you're talking about because, I mean, this is just another example of that. Yes. And that for me, um, really, really touches the heart because I grew up, you know, definitely, you know, when you hear people say it, you know, it's, it's, I'm not going to say who said it, but what I will say is there was a certain individual where it really stuck with me what this person said. It it said, because you hear certain people say, oh, you know, follow your passion and do this and you grow up hearing it so much, but you know, you kind of wonder if you really believe it. Um, almost like what I said, you know, with, um, you know, what this person said is he said, uh, he said, and today I went to the mall and I went shopping and talk is still cheap. And it was something that kind of, I kind of had in my head growing up in terms of, yeah, you know, it's almost like what your your parents might tell you, like, oh, you'll see when you get older, and you, you don't really you you blow it off until you get older, and you're like, wow. Um, that was the same thing for me. Um, college educated, went to University of Cincinnati, graduated um, with a um, graduated with a double major in international business and entrepreneurship, uh, minor in marketing. Um, but for me, what was interesting was is when I actually graduated. Um, I was in and out of corporate, but for me, what kept happening is, is it wasn't necessarily anything bad. It was just something that kept kind of always happening to where I found myself just being like, man, like, what is really my calling? What do I really like to do? And it always came back to cooking. But the thing that I had a problem with was always kind of having that mental that 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 push to really just say mentally for me Xavier you're 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 good people will pay this you know you you don't think so but trust me not everybody likes cooking and burning to the extent that you do I mean not everybody wants to be in a kitchen like you do for 12 and 14 hours a day like they will pay for this and what I really had to start seeing to believe in was the simple fact of really taking a leap of faith. And it took me two years, you know, I, I teeter tottered in and out of doing it. And, you know, it's, it's always something that you kind of have in your head. Are you able to do it? Because everybody wants to chase their passion, but you know, this is, you know, life and this is society. And one of the things that's very hard is, is, you know, you have to sometimes be real with yourself in terms of saying, okay, are you able to financially, be stable while chasing your passion. You can't go, you know, 
You can't go to the, you know, the, 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 the bank and say, hey, you know, I'm going to be late on my car payment or I'm going to be late on this, you know, or the mortgage. I'm going to be late on my, my, my mortgage because, you know, I'm really trying to pursue this. They're going to look at you and be like, okay, that's great. Where's, where's the payment? You know, so for me, that was something that is always, a, for me, a, a big fear driver was kind of like, okay, am I going to make it financially? first rather than okay yeah i know this is my passion but is it really gonna end for me the moment that i you know and i did it i saved up but the moment that i really kind of saved up some income enough for me to just say listen i got five to six months we're gonna burn for five to six months and see what happened i'd say probably a month to two months in business was coming Mm -hmm. business was coming i mean I could I couldn't I couldn't bake a cake fast enough. I couldn't get meals out fast enough. I couldn't I couldn't make gumbo fast enough. It 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 was booming. And it's kind of been like that ever since. Now it comes in waves, you have your highs and lows, but for the most part, it's always, always uh been able to somewhat manifest manifest itself and work out. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so real. That's such real talk for entrepreneurship. And I I would love to stay there for a second because, you know, we're in two vastly different um, industries, but Mm -hmm. there are some pretty similar foundational things just for entrepreneurship as a whole. And you hit on one of those things, which is there is um, oftentimes this aspect of faith in self. Yes. We usually have people who believe in us and, and they might push us and encourage us um, like, hey, take that leap. You should do that. You should try it. But oftentimes it comes some of the own self-doubt, right? Because survival is a real thing. You need money to survive. And, you know, we want to, I think, sometimes be responsible. But mm-hmm. it's like I always talk about standing on the edge of a diving board. Like you did yes. all the work to climb them stairs. And you walk to the, and you're confident, you're like, I got this, but you get to the edge and you're like, whoa, 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 right. <laughs> there's water down there. How, yeah, yeah. how deep is that? Do I really want to jump and, and things like that. And so, you know, I hope it's encouraging if there are people out there who are considering the entrepreneurship journey and who yeah. are, you know, sitting kind of, or standing at the edge of that diving board saying like, you know, can I? So that's one thing, like you can, right? Right, right. You got to be realistic uh, before you jump, have a plan, a business plan and, and all that. And there are people that can help with that. Another part that you kind of talked about, which was key, was you were saying people will pay for this. Right, we're right. People will pay for this. And, and I, I know that uh, those of us, me, people in the helping professions, therapists and stuff like that, what I say is, generally speaking, we're terrible with money. Now, I don't mean like making it or, you know, managing it. It's charging. And, and I know that as, so I'll sp- specifically speak about therapists. We can pay tens of thousands of dollars in our education. We spend hundreds and hundreds of hours, thousands of hours honing the skill and getting licensed and doing all of these different things, but then not invest in learning how to run a business. Right. Right. It fails. (laughs) And so we're good at our craft, but we're not good at business. 
Um, and, and that can be detrimental. Now you have a background in business. And so do you feel like that was a tremendous asset for you when you were kind of doing, when you were starting your business from the ground up? Yes, I do. I do. Um, for me, that was definitely something that I was thankful that I had in terms of a business background, because for me, the food surprisingly was actually the easy part. It was once you really put all the things in place to actually have a legit business, that was when I found myself falling back on some of the practices and, you know, um, knowledge given and learned from University of Cincinnati to really say, okay, yeah, this is, this is what's needed. You know what I mean? To be really be successful. So that's why I really, um, you know, appreciate being able to have that knowledge and actually not just have it, but use it. Because for me, that was really, really big. I thank, you know, the most high above for um, when actually converting into that, I, I was able to, you know, kind of have a smooth transition. Yeah, <clears throat> that's so key. And I also want to encourage people to know that, you know, if you don't have a degree in background in business, that there are so many ways that you can learn. There's free mentorship. You know, Xavier, you and I talk, we both had SCORE mentors. So SCORE, yes. <clears throat> score um, through the, uh, the Chamber of Commerce yes. has free mentorship. And these are business people who are now retired or semi-retired who just enjoy helping people start their businesses. There are a lot of options that, you know, that are out there. And so I want to highlight that those are there. I was very um, set when I started my business that I did not want a business mentor who was in my field. I wanted someone who was in a different field so I could learn different things. Um, And then kind of the, another thing that I wanted to talk about is, you know, charging your worth. Yes. You know, that, that can be tremendously hard and challenging for a number of reasons for a lot of different people. And I know that it, it definitely, especially in the beginning was really hard. Oh my God, will people actually pay that? And, and when I think about what I thought that was at the time, significantly lower than, you know, the average rate, the rate I have now, what I began to realize though, is it's not a problem with my pricing. It's a problem with my market. Right. Right. I, if, 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 if I find that there are a number of people who are really struggling to pay for my services, then I'm, I'm in the wrong market because there are certainly people who can pay for it. I just have to find that. So how did you kind of grow your business in the market that was right for you? What did that look like for you? Honestly, what, what, what grew my business um, for that market, you know, and I mean, this all, you know, goes to, you know, partly word of mouth, but what kind of grew my market in terms of me being able to say, okay, I'm at the point where they realize this is how much this is worth and this is how much they should be paying. And I feel the same way too with what I produce um, was honestly really being able to connect with individuals who from the moment we started conversing, realized the value of what they didn't like versus what they were willing to pay for because they didn't like it. And for me, that was a really, really big deal. That was a really, really big deal. And that helped me basically pinpoint 
individuals to where I could sit up there and say, okay, I went to a networking event and out of the networking event, 75% of them worked, okay, let's say a general average of 50 to 60 hours a week. They talked about how during tax time or, you know, talked about how during maybe a certain quarter, um, they don't get to see their families, you know, they're, you know, they're, they're eating out they're picking up waiters, you know, this is some of the things that they wish. Those were the individuals that I pinpointed and targeted to be able to say, you know what? It seems like to me, there's a big section of individuals who work in corporate that really, after they work for corporate, they're really kind of poof. They're, they're tired. You know, and if they have a family, that's even worse. Now you got to help with homework. Now you, you know, you have to have that time with your significant other. These are the things that I picked up on and quickly said, you know what? I need to start targeting people who really would pay money, literally, to not be in the kitchen. And to have food that just not only keeps them out of the kitchen, but gives them a reason to stay out based on the quality. Meaning that I'm providing them with something that not only can they not do for themselves, you know, not only do they not want to do for themselves, but based on the quality, they might not actually even be able to do it for themselves because it's just that good. And once I realized I was able to really capitalize and do things like that, that's when I kind of really started getting down to the bread and butter of being able to say, you know what, I got something here. We just need to keep on farming and keep on improving and watching out for this. Yeah, that's key. You, you recognize the need and you realized you could feel that need. Yes. And, and, and what I love how you framed it is that's the value proposition, not the service. So the service you provide is cooking meals. The value proposition is you keep people out the kitchen. Right. And, and that, you know, as I learn and I grow in my businesses, a lot of people starting out with their businesses think that their value proposition are their services and it's not. Mm-hmm. What are you, what are you giving people? I give people healing and hope. Yes. My services are therapy and training. Right. Right. And so just, you know, really wanting to encourage people out there, because again, no one said these things to me. Maybe they existed. Maybe I just didn't tune into the right podcast, but no one said, find the value. What value are you giving to people and organize your services around that? And I I would imagine that similar to my work, word of mouth Mm -hmm. is for me, one of the biggest ways I get clients. Would you say it's the same for you? Absolutely. Um, Word of mouth and Honestly, the, the, the most powerful thing um, at various levels that I've realized is honestly the sample. Um, now, at certain levels, I don't necessarily have to do as much of that because they kind of understand it. It's like, well, not everybody samples. You don't go to McDonald's and they give you a sample. You know, you either buy it and find out you don't like it and just say thank you and move on, or you just choose not to do it. But for me, it's been definitely word of mouth and sampling. I'm talking about I'm going, you know, to a meeting to try to close on a building, try to close on this. And I, I'm like, hey, you try this cake. This is going to work. This is why you should give me this. <laughs> Have you tried this cake? And they're like, yeah, let me try it. You know, and then they get that. It's my work. Okay. <laughs> you know, so 
for me, I, I've had your cake. I, I'm, I'm gonna say, like, yes, yes. <laughs> I would have sold you a building. <laughs> yes, yes. So for me, <clears throat> that has been the biggest uh, way to bring in individuals. Is you know, I'm in a business where you gotta, you gotta taste this no, and we're not afraid to give you a little taste, and uh, you know, hopefully, you ain't afraid to you know keep tasting good food. <laughs> That's awesome. David, I appreciate this so much because one, um, you know, I definitely think it's, I, I love hearing about your passion and where it came from. I definitely wanted you as a guest so that, you know, I could introduce you to my right. listeners. Um, and not just because he's doing cool things, but because weekly I eat this man's food <laughs> and it is so good. And it's, it's been a real asset to my self-care, my self-tending and my self-investment. Um, yeah. And to also just talk a little bit of entrepreneurship shop, because again, one of the things that I really want to encourage people to do is find your gift, find your passion. And I think having some real conversations with people who have done that, that are tangible and real about it is super mm -hmm. helpful. So really appreciate you kind of chopping it up with me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Absolutely. So if people want to reach out, if they want to find you or get in touch with you, if they like, oh, I got this event coming up, or they just are interested in some of the private chefing or meal prep, how can people find you? Absolutely. We have uh, various forms of contact. Um, one of the forms we have, of course, is my email, um, xavier.pierre40 at gmail.com. Um, we also have uh, an official website uh, that focuses on the Cajun and cake aspects of the business that we do, um, and that is bigboycakes.com, www.bigboycakes.com, all one word. Um, and you can leave a little excerpt in your information. It, it pings right to us to let us know immediately, hey, we have somebody that's interested. Uh, another thing that you can also do um, to be able to see a lot of what uh, we do and what we provide is we also have an Instagram. Um, our Instagram is Pierre underscore entities. Uh, that is P-I-E-R-R-E underscore E-N-T-I-T-I-E-S. Uh, and those are things that we can easily provide um, just kind of a, a general look. Those are things that we can provide, sorry, <laughs> those are things that we can provide a general update of um, what we're producing and everything like that. So we post, post pictures, we post dishes and everything. And we've had individuals that follow up and say, hey, I saw what you posted the week of, you know, January 20th. I want that. Let's do it. So definitely be sure um, to um, follow us through all of those forms and pl different platforms. And of course, we have our, our phone number that we use. So um, definitely be sure to uh, look for that. And that is 570-575-8325. Wonderful. Now, of course, we'll have though that information in the show notes. Absolutely. Um, and as we get ready to wrap up, I always like to ask my guests at the end of the podcast an interesting, fun, or little known fact about themselves. Absolutely. Um, an interesting or little known fact about me um, that I feel is always uh, kind of funny is is because I actually have a part of my business that you know kind of focuses on baking. A lot of people are very surprised at when they actually see who's doing the cooking or doing the baking. They're like, "Wait, you cook this?" Because they're waiting for somebody's 
grandmother or anything like that and everything like that. And it's funny because an interesting thing that happened was I actually was at a seminar and they were introducing me. And I kid you not, they said the person and they kind of said it kind of like a, almost saying it in like a feminine kind of way. And they put an old, a picture of an older woman there and I hadn't submitted a picture. And they, when I walked out on stage, they were like, that is not who's up there. And I ended up talking to the guy who does the media and everything. And I said, well, why did you put that picture? He said, because we could have sworn there was an old lady pick, you know, cooking these cakes and everything like that. And we didn't have a picture of exactly her. So we just knew that, you know, we could get away with putting an old lady up there. And I was like, oh, man. So. Well, as they see your picture for this uh, episode, they will realize that you are, in fact, not an old lady. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. Xavier, I want to thank you so much again for just taking the time out to have this conversation with me and share your labor of love with my listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to being on your next podcast or some other one in the future again. Thank you again. Absolutely. I want to give a special shout out to Trey Angel, who provides the music for the Labors of Love podcast, to the best producer in the land, Jay Sug from Instant Classic Media, and as always to you, my guests, for listening. I never take it for granted. If you have uh, if you have suggestions for guests or content and you want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at www.thelaborsoflove.com. Don't forget we're on all the major social media outlets. Go ahead and head over to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And don't forget to give us that five-star rating, a review, and share the podcast. Until we connect again, you all be well.